Hello and welcome to episode four of the Chasing Discomfort podcast and what a treat we've got for you this week. I got the opportunity to sit down with Paul Hills, the BKB bare knuckle boxing fighter, aka Team War Ready, aka the Soul Snatcher. Paul has got some serious dynamite in his hands and uh, has knocked out all his opponents in first round stoppages. He holds the world record for the quickest knockdown in BKB of 2.3 seconds. You can see his clips on YouTube. Uh, he is a man with, uh, who goes about his business with serious intent. Paul uh, is a very calm and composed individual and very honest. We got uh, an opportunity to sit down and talk to him about his training, his nutrition, fasting, his life as a coach and as a father and how he juggles all his commitments. Uh, we delve into his mindset, what... Um, and what work he does when he's facing off with his, his man in the ring who's effectively wants to tear his head off. And yeah, it's a really great conversation. I hope you guys take something away from it. And without further ado, let's get you in there. Enjoy. Paul Hills. Hello, Joe. Welcome to the Chasing Discomfort podcast. Thank you, mate. It's an absolute pleasure to be on, Go Touching down with you. It's good. I appreciate your time, mate. I've been really looking forward to doing this for a long time. But the question that is just buzzing in my head at the moment is, how did you become a bare-knuckle boxer? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I think I've flipped that question to myself a few times a day, <laughs> to be honest with you, Jay. Um, yeah, no, it was mad, mate. Obviously, we've we, we done our boxing. Um, we was unlicensed for a good few years. Now, I didn't really think I had the chance to turn professional, but we managed to uh, kick that box, turn professional, mate. Then we retired, and I was just sitting about for a couple of years. Uh, yeah, pretty much sort of. I, I had a bit of bad depression, sort of thinking I still had fighting in me or whatever. Um, but I'll give up for, uh, glove boxing for the sake of my family and my health and safety type thing. Um, and then there was a bit of rumours going around that, that BKB was paying uh, £6,000 a fight. So I uh, I contacted him very quickly and sort of said, listen, I'll sort of fight anyone you've got. Um, Sign me for a four-fight contract. In my head, I was looking at 24 grand in the bank for my kids. So I've got four children. Um, yeah, I got told pretty swiftly by the management that there's no way they pay six thousand pounds for that. Um, but sort of thanks for me sort of time contacting them, but you know, that that is pub talk as such. Um and then they sort of went on to conversate about fighting and this and did I want to fight, but I sort of pushed away, Joe, because I genuinely was in it just for the money. I wanted to have a nice paycheck. Um, you know, like I say, mm. if I could touch on twenty four grand towards my kids, I was you know, this is a lot of money, mate. Now, but yeah, a couple of weeks went by, and then they contact me back again, and I was like, "Look, we looked at you as a profile, like you're an ex-pro." So they didn't explain myself on the phone. I literally just, you know, talk figures sort of thing. Um, and they said, "You know, we've we've looked at your profile. You're an ex-pro, and we're trying to get as many ex-gloves pros on the shows just to bring this sort of professionalism up, sort of thing." 
Well, I explained that I was only in it for the money. Do you know what I mean? And that, that was the bottom line. Um, then they said they had a fight. I think it was in four and a half weeks um, available for me. I think it was in June, yeah. Um, against the sort of an experienced DKB fighter. Uh, and I just basically said, how much is it? And they offered me more money than what I'd got paid for most of my pro fights, Joe. So I spoke to my family, spoke to my missus, and uh, yeah, we took it, mate. And yeah, like I say, with the bare knuckle thing, is is I've, I've seen the bare knuckle fights before. I've been there, and you know, I've watched them sort of thing to the gritty end. And I just never thought I could even fucking even mix it with them sort of people, Joe. You know, the bare knuckles a different game. Um, and just the, the noise of the bone on bone, you know, when I've watched straighteners and that before, I just thought to myself, like, how the hell are they, sort of, you know, standing there, taking that and carry on going. But uh, I took a fight just because I am a fighter and I, I do love a challenge, this sort of thing. I was 39, so, no, I was 38, sorry, when I signed my contract with them. Um, I still believe that, you know, I had this dream of being a pro sort of thing, like a big, big pro fighter and whether it be gloved or not it was it was at the O2 arena uh, live on Sky so it was it was more than what I've got to have like pro boxing sort of thing on the stage type thing so yeah we took it mate and I ended up knocking out my opponent in the first round I think it was 50 seconds in the first round and then that was it mate it got me hooked <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you've got some dynamite in them hands. I mean, you're currently four and one, yeah. um, four knockouts, and your only loss was due to a nasty, nasty cut, which, to be fair, I think any any ref or doctor would have called the fight off. Um, yeah, no, it was bad. It was my second fight. Like, again, money speaks. Uh, Jack Armfield was a great glove professional, fought for the British title twice, um, 30 cent pro fights. I think he'd won 28 of them. Um, like 70 amateur fights, 165 or something like that, boxing since he was seven, but BKB couldn't get a fight for him. Um, he wanted to come over to the BKB, but no one was fighting, so they phoned me up, give me good money on the table, Joe, so I took the fight, but I knew full well Jack's sort of pedigree, but mm. where, without the clubs, I knew that if I landed my hands on him, mate, I'd put him out. But of course, on the flip side of it, with Jack's pedigree of his boxing, he knows range, he knows distance, he knows movements. Um, and he literally, he didn't box me off because he didn't really throw a shot. But the one straight jab that he did throw opened up like a four and a half inch gash above the eye. Um, and then every shot he hit me with after that cut me on the top of the head, the back of the head, um, under my other eye. He only hit me five times in the fight, but it was five cuts sort of thing. Uh, I tried to carry on. The doctor stopped it, first of all, but I said to him, like, you know, like, please let me carry on. He let me carry on, but it was only for about 16, 17 seconds. Then they called me over again, and he touched the cut above my eye. And as he touched it, like, I moved it across my skull. Um, it just did, like, blood just projectile straight, went straight over his face. <laughs> and uh, he was just like, no, this is off. This is off. He said, you've done, you, you've done a, minor, like, a minor artery across your eye. Like it's, it's not, it sounds worse than what it is as such. There's loads of, you've got loads of mini arteries all across your forehead sort of thing. But that's why it spat out him. Yeah, and then they just said it's off. So I lost, I lost that fight, Jay, and it was down to obviously the doctor's decision. Um, I was gutted because I, I was pig ignorant with knowing that I'm right, like, you know, I'll take one, give one, Jay. I sort of thought, yeah, I'll, I'll let him get, get a jab off so I can get his range. 
Mm. And the first jab he hit me with, mate, he cut me open. Like I say, like I needed surgery on that cut. Um, yeah, and I lost the fight due to that. You know, Jack never fought in BKB again. Uh, I believe he broke two of his fingers on my head. Um, and obviously, the next fight I took was only four and a half weeks after. Um, the cut was, it wasn't healed at all, to be fair. And it, yeah, I was lucky it didn't bust back open. But I knocked out that fella in the first round as well. So I weren't really hanging around for him to hit me on that cut. Yeah, and then and then obviously the next one we got the world's fastest knockdown, Jay. So um, it's just gone on from there, mate. You know what I mean? And I love the nickname that they've given you, the snow, the soul snatcher. Yeah, no, that was <laughs> that was. Like, someone said after we first cut the fights, even after we lost, I was like, oh yeah, but like, I think the brawler's a good name for you. So they started calling me. Uh, Paul the Brawler Hills, which I thought, yeah, I can handle that. Do you know what I mean? I'm exactly the fucking best technical boxer, but I do love a brawl. So I thought, yeah, I live with that. And then something happened. One of the reporters started a write up on after the lockdown show. And I was like, yeah, uh, Hills was doing his usual trick. And uh, now we know why we call him the Soul Snatcher. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. Because the thing is, Jay, like, I've never planned to finish my opponent in the first round like I do. Don't get me wrong, it's absolutely, you know, the, the, the nuts are, I've done it and I can. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've never really gone and said, yeah, we'll knock him out. But that soul snatcher, that can be sort of in one second of the first round or it can be the last second of the last round if it's a 15-round fight. You know, I do take their souls, you know. There's no there's no doubt about it. I love that mentality that, you know, my soul, my soul and will is stronger and, more dominant than my opponents and that's what I believe what I lack in skill you, you know like skill sort of thing there's no lack in my will and uh, I, will, I, I do believe that, that I will like, I'll take your soul so you, like, you won't want to be in there you know you won't want to be in there with me you know what I mean I'll, I'll throw my everything into it Jay and uh, yeah I'll, I'll fight for my own reasons that I don't believe I can face an opponent that's going to face face me with the same sort of why you know I don't where does that drive come from, Paul? You know, what, what fuels that mentality to say that, you know, I'm, I'm prepared to do battle and go out of my shield here and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to take the loss. I'm going to stand here and trade until I win. Do you know what, Joe? It's so deep, bruv. I mean, you, you actually can probably give, like, you can probably understand it a lot because you come up with me through my child, like, like, like my sort of my youth, you know what I mean? Like, I know we weren't the closest, but you definitely see the fucking circles I was mixing with and shit was going on. I mean, away from that, I was fighting really big battles with my family and, you know, just massive stuff that people know nothing about. You know, I lost a couple of friends young and, like, just mad stuff, man. And and I've always been put in a box, Jay, and told to be a certain way or, or like, no, 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 you ain't a bad or you, you can't do that, you can't do this, and... You know, it goes down to things even like I've been told, like, sort of medically that, you know, I can't, I would never, at the time I was weightlifting and, you know, you can't, you can't lift heavy weights because of this, because of that. And I didn't do too bad when I was trying to get big, you know what I mean? I got to 18 stone saying, you know, powerhouse sort of thing. And yeah, I just always had, had, had the sort of negative thoughts and negative feelings from people drained on me to try and put me in a box. But now my children look at me, Jay, and like, they're looking like you know in every child's eyes, their dad's he man, whether he's a fucking rat or he's the best man alive. You know, in the children's eyes, you're he man, and uh, 
I just now when I try and encourage them to be positive and to be strong and you know to face things head on, like I'm trying to sort of run that with myself. But I'm a forty year old man now, man. I'm running out of time, Jay. You know what I mean? So my drive is such a massive like. Uh, it, it, like, like it's ready to explode Joe, every day and like, you should get that when you're in your 20s when you're in your peak sort of thing but life's just throwing me different cards and I'm hitting it when I'm sort of hitting 40 you know so I believe that the drive is like it, it is my children but it's not that cliche of oh you know oh it's my kids and my family that make me do it because that's bollocks fine's a very selfish sport um, and it's certainly not for them that I do it, if you get what I'm saying. It's for my own sort of limitations and negatives that I've had in my life. I'm proving to myself that, you know, I'm the best that I can be, Joe. You know what I mean? Look, I'm a firm believer in hard work pays off. And yeah, you, are, you are, without doubt, one of the top people that I know that is putting in graft, you know, serious, serious graft. And... You know, it's easy to say if you was a, you know, a GB paid athlete, but you're, you're, you're a dad, obviously, you're a partner, you're a coach, and and you're a bare knuckle fire. So, you know, how, how do you sort of juggle all of those responsibilities? You know, when it comes down to just, you know, living the same twenty four hours that everyone else does. You've got to be selfish, Joe. Right, you've got to be selfish to reach a goal for yourself. Like that's my bare knuckle fighting. Um, the way like I, I haven't got many friends, Jay, and I, I certainly haven't got a social circle. I don't socialise. I haven't for ever since I started boxing, probably like last ten, twelve years. I haven't socialised. Um, that's me. I'm not that sort of guy, you know. Um, I, I've denied myself from being social. I've denied myself from uh, just. What what you take away from yourself, you're giving to yourself in, in another form, Jay, you know, like boxing and fighting for me has done things for my for my brain, for myself, um, and it's made me a better person, a better father, a better partner. Um and if you sort of tally up, you dice your, your your day up, you sort of you can hit the gym for one to two hours a day, right? Any everybody can, everybody in this whole world, yeah. And you can push for your goals and you can be selfish, right? But then for them other 22 hours a day, yeah, you can delegate to your family. You can delegate to your job. You, you you can do it, you know. It just depends how important it is to you, Jay. You know, you will get a happy medium. Um, but you do have to be selfish. Like, for instance, I have to be selfish towards my family and my work to take away them hours in the day that I train. Then I have to be selfish towards my family to, to, to deny having friends and having a social life because if I have a friends and social life it's taking something away from my family and they're the most important thing to me so how can you deny that when it's your strongest point and the most important thing to you you're living a life you're going out you're doing this social thing with all, all your so-called friends this that, and the other and then going to pay a bit of attention to your family you know the, the, the sort of yin and yang of it's not right the balance isn't right you know what I mean Joe Oh yeah, for sure. I, f I think you hit the nail on the head, mate, when you said, you know, like, what's what's the priority? That's um, right, mate. You only learn that with age. So, I mean, I believe fathers, when they have kids in their twenties, I, I don't believe, you know, they really know. Like when you start, oh, I call it running out of time because that's the cold hearted truth of it. You know, I believe when you're sort of coming into your forties, 
and maybe you've got a few children that are, of, of maybe over the age of say four or five, you know, I do believe you do sense the, the urgency that comes into life, you know? You've got friends that are dropping dead with cancer with fucking heart attacks. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's reality, you know what I mean? It's not the good side of life now. It ain't people with pregnancies and marriages and engagements. It's people with funerals, bro. Yeah. Well, when you hit that big 4-0, you are, well, hopefully... If you know around halfway in, and you you're halfway into no, it, mate. And that's if you're blessed, Jay. That's if you lead a lot, like you know. That's, that's if you lead a good life and a sort of healthy life. Hopefully, you hit eighty. You know what I mean? Mm. So, so talk to me then. You took you took the first fight on four and a half weeks' notice. Yeah. You put the phone down. You signed the contract to the fight, and and what's going through your head? Yeah, no, I'm not fucking, I don't know, but you know what, they're not knowing, and, and they're not knowing about like the TV thing and things like that, Jay, like the cameras and, and where you got to be, like when you stand there, because I've been to pro shows, obviously boxing, so I was trying out a match room, I went to all the big shows sort of thing, and done the ring walks with them and all that sort of thing, but going through it myself, like I was more nervous about all that shit than what I was actually trading blows with my opponent, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, like it's what I've what, the way I've always treated it is if you ain't cut no corners in training, like you shouldn't be fearful of your fight because that's written in the stars what's going to go on. You know, if you if you've seriously trained as much as you can and give a thousand percent to everything, you couldn't have done no more. So if you walk in and get knocked out in one second, you you ain't a man to beat that fella. You get what I'm saying? It's just mm-hmm. if you've done everything you can then you was losing that night anyway because the best of you ain't going to beat the best of him. Do you get what I mean, Joe? Um, so, yeah, nerves don't, nerves don't come into fights like that if you preparise for it, you know? Mm. So, to, to you, like, because obviously you, you seem a very cool, calm character and you're very composed and, and you just touched on, you know, that, that wisdom comes with age. Yeah, um, definitely. Experiences that you've had. So, just just for our listeners, really, like, what, what is going through your head the night or the day of the fight, or you know that ring walk uh, when you when you sort of lay eyes on your opponent for the first time, you're opposite one another in the ring. What what's sort of your your mantra, if you like, you know, what what are you what, what are your thoughts? What's going on? Yeah, no, it's, it's it's a powerful thing, Joe. There's, there's nothing that's going apart from what, like I'm switching him off, mate. But that's that time. There's no niceties then. Um, I'm a very respectful, quiet fighter leading up to it. In the interviews, I talk very nicely to my opponent. There's no like, malice there at all. Um, but you come on the day, man, and, and like if you're getting that close to the ring walk and things like that, like, there's nothing going on apart from like it's, it's poker face time, man. It's that time the switch is turning, Jay, you know? When that bell goes ding, I'm going to have someone coming that's trying to smash my teeth out of my head with no gloves on. You know what I mean? There ain't no fucking nice is there, mate. It's business time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, training camp then. Talk talk me through like an average day of, of you sort of deep in the training camp. Um, how many times a day you eat in training? Uh, I fast, mate. I've I've started like I've, I'm having a little break at the minute. I'm I'm up a bit on my weight from Christmas and that, and plus with the kids and that. Yeah, I don't want to be. Or you know that the temptation of the way they eat and things like that. Plus, I don't want to be 
like uh, not involving myself with them as such. Like when I'm fast, I have to be away from food. Sorry, I can't sit there while I'm eating meals and shit. You know what I mean? And I don't want to be that dickhead. You know, it's the kids are on holiday, we're on holiday. So yeah, at the minute I'm just uh, I'm not pigging out, but I'm I'm having breakfast and shit. But normally fasting, man, that's that's another mental game in itself. Um, your body does things. Um, if you understand what fasting does to you, you can run your mind in sync with what your body does. I mean, it's one of the best things that like, I can just say to anybody do for any reason. Um, yeah, I think that is, you know, that is a, a great thing to do for training or just general health sort of thing. Um, training wise, we train six days a week, one day off. Um, some days we hit twice a day. It depends. And um, when we're fully in camp, what we do is, uh, for instance, do we do a Monday to Friday? So Monday, what it'll be is, uh, it'll be a sparring day if we're in camp hard. So you won't, like, I wouldn't do nothing um, in, in the whole day and then we'd have a right sort of hard, maybe six rounds, six to eight rounds, two minute rounds with a 30 second break. Uh, maybe with like one or two, uh, anything up to four different opponents, depending on how far we are at in camp and who we're fighting. Um, that's Monday done. Tuesday, we get up in the morning nice and early. We go for a three to four mile run. Um, and then we'll go to work after that and do our bit stand out. And then I'll probably hit some strength and conditioning on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, on the Wednesday, it'll be sparring again. Uh, again, same intensity, same sort of amount of rounds. And then on the Thursday, it'll be a three to four mile run in the morning a strength and conditioning session at about 11 o'clock, like, but a quite a structured one with explosive and working on, um, say for instance, if we want to create more uh, power in my right arm, we'll break down our strength work and what we do. My strength and conditioning coach, train with intent, is just something else. He's like a scientist. Um, so we'll break that down and then I'll do a pad session Thursday evening. Um, sharp pads always, uh, little gloves as well. And then on a Friday, mate, we spar. Um, on the Saturday would be a rest day, and that's the break that I have. I have six days on my fasting. Uh, sorry, seven days on my fasting, but on the seventh day, um, I allow myself to eat. And I wouldn't say what I want, but I would have like a bag of crisp or a fucking sweet or something after dinner. On a Saturday, it's my cheat day, I call it as such, but I still stick with my fasting hours. And then on a Sunday, we go out for a five to six mile run at a slow pace. I say a slow pace, around about a nine and a half minute miles. Um, and then that's a, that's a week training for us, bro. Yeah, grinding. So talk to me about the fasting, because I've played around with different feeding windows. Mm. And what I've, what I've done was like what they call time-restricted feeding. So yep. it was a nine-hour nine feeding window. Yep. Um, I played with eight. But allegedly, there's some science behind that. If you just stick to a nine-hour feeding window, you will gain lean muscle mass and drop in body fat as well. So I was doing like a fifteen-nine. But what, what sort of hours are you fasting for? Well, I got up to I was doing about twenty-hour fast regularly, Joe, nineteen to twenty hours. Um, I was finding myself in such high energy levels. Um, and then it was hitting my training time and my recovery was my first meal, which was just powerful. My body was just fucking lapping it out, mate. Or well, it felt like it wasn't like, you know what I mean? I can only go on the way I felt. I don't know chemical reactions type of thing, you know what I mean? 
Mm. Um, but I'll, I'll definitely say, like, that nine-hour thing, I know the, 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 the theory behind it. Um, I don't believe it works, Jay, or I don't believe it would work for me, bro. reason being is, I feel, and this is what I say, if you do the studying behind fasting, you can get in sync with your mind and you actually know what you're doing at the hours that you're not eating, and it does make the journey so much more powerful, bro. Um, well, like when you feel a, a feeling in your brain and your body and then you know why you've got an explanation for it, it works so much better, Joe. Do you get what I mean? Um, and, and that is kind of it deep, but it does with a fast and I think it matters. Um, it's about starving your body, Joe, right? And what your body does in when it goes into a, a form of starvation, it uses what you've got for the rights and wrongs, if you get what I'm saying. So obviously, I'm someone that has always been looked at bulking ways when I train in through my box and I always wanted to have the match like the most amount of sort of mass and muscle as, as well as the fittest shape sort of thing um, I don't believe that that's a great shape for uh, fighting you know I, I really don't believe it is um, but the fasting thing is when you your, your energy levels will be taken from your fat fats and things like this when you break, like break into starvation so if you're talking physique wise your muscles, your last thing that's broken down, Jay, as such from the body, because it takes too much energy from the body to break down muscle rather than fats, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Or in theory, Jay, I'm no fucking doctor, mate. This is just some of, you know, what I've took in if you, over the years. Um, so if you get the balance right, like for me, it works at 20 hours, but the energy level and burst that I have, Jay, once it hits that, and then the way your body recovers to it, I actually found that I was, I had a higher amount of muscle mass and a lower body fat. Even though I don't get into that shit, I just jump on one of them things that does it all for you, sort of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, and and that that is what what you're so about putting on most. I believe that if you starve your body of what it needs and to the point of where it's using the faults in your diet as such for your energy, um, you'll get that maximum muscle mass with lowest body fat naturally. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's why your body stores fat, right? Because hundred percent. We we never knew going back thousands of years if it was feast or famine. You know, you can walk into a fucking Tesco's now and pick up anything off of the shelf and sh- shove it down your face. But ultimately, our bodies have not changed that much to recognise that. No. It's really I, I never knew it, Jay. I never knew what you're saying. Things like that, mate. I never knew that. I literally pictured cavemen having fucking three, four meals a day. Mm. You know, like, like it's just this knowledge is power, mate. You know, when my man, it was it was a fellow else route a nutritionist. I think he's fight fight uh, three six four on Instagram, mm-hmm. um, and and he works with a box. He's a boxing like nutritionist and sort of strength and conditioning coach and. Mate, he gave me such information about the fasting, Jay. It was unbelievable. And it changed my whole feeling about it, you know what I mean? Did it take your body long to sort of, um, to you know, change towards the fasting? Did, did you struggle with energy at the start? Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to do the same this time around, mate, because I've had a couple of weeks off. It was the first week, the excitement of it and the sort of buzz of it gets you through it. Mm. The second week is, like, the second week's bad. In the third week, suicidal, Joe. Yeah. And, like, it, like you cut, like, I never knew how much psychological 
struggle it can be for food deprivation sort of thing you know yeah. it, it's unbelievable or it's unbelievable and uh when when you do do the u-turn though you you nearly laugh about how you was feeling a week before because it doesn't seem like it was real do you know what i mean um, but you probably does that does literally accept it i've had such a love-hate relationship with food um, yeah. in the past that, you know, I'd be paranoid about what I'd be putting into my mouth because I wanted to, you know, try and make it the cleanest thing possible. I'd only yeah, man. things at certain times. And, um, yeah, I, I think I got into the fasting really because someone sold it to me that your so anything other than water, your, your liver has to produce digestive enzymes to break that stuff down. Yeah. Now, if you're, right. you're scoffing, say, from like 7 o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, that's a 15-hour eating window. Your liver yep. is not designed to produce these enzymes for 15 hours. So right. because it's such a – because obviously your body needs to digest it, it was taking away other uh, vital times from other vital organs like your lungs, spleen, pancreas, whatever it might be. It's eating into their time. So the body wasn't have time to – you know, like when you put your iPhone on an update at night, you, it, cause it yeah, 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 no, that's, that makes sense. I, I've never heard that, Jay, but it makes total sense, mate. Total sense. So um, you you got me a little bit inspired, actually, to get back on the fasting because I'll do twelve off, twelve on anyway on a regular mm. day. But I remember once I got into the swing of it, like I used to just at one o'clock in the afternoon, whatever was happening, downtime, eat. And then I'd cram in all my calories in that nine-hour window. And, and I'll, I'm, you've reminded me recovery-wise. I, I didn't feel like I used to ache. Um, or That's all right. It's mad, Joe. It's mad because you think you're not taking in over like, a, 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 a long period of time. You think you recover. Unless you don't, mate. You don't recover better, Joe. I swear. I fucking swear. So do you, you obviously get enough food in that four-hour window. Are you tracking what you're eating in those four hours? To be fair, Jay, I weren't, yeah, because I, I, on my cat, like, on my, on my sort of, uh, my readouts for the day, I'm burning near on 4,000 calories a day because I go and do, like, six, seven pad sessions throughout the day with other fighters because, obviously, I'm a coach. Yeah. Um, I'm doing, like, thousands of calories, mate, out of my window, if you know what I mean. So I like this ain't this, this is just the honesty of it, Joe. Because um, like I say, I can't prep. I can't prep my enough food, sort of thing. Um, mm. This is where things like uh, oat bars, uh, flapjacks, uh, cashew nuts, uh, pineapple. You know that that's all like rice cakes. You know snacker jacks. Yeah, I know it's not the greatest of things like that, but they're the cleanest forms of fast fix. For me, calorie wise and energy wise, Joe, do you get what I'm saying? That's yeah. why you're seeing me done in a six pack, bro. Because when I had a six pack, I got knocked out in the second round. So yeah. you know, I man ain't man ain't feeling good when he's ripped down with six pack, Joe. <laughs> like I feel, you know, what I mean, I feel good, bro. I've walked around at sort of like twelve stone, just over twelve stone. Yeah, I've got a bit of like gut on me, but that is what I. That is my. That's my energy, Joe. That is my. That's my fight. That is my gas. You know. It does sound silly, but you'll find if you do like you've always had a good shape, Jay. But you're you're already you've already said that you found it hard, which means if you're a fighter, above and you're finding what your physique looks like hard to maintain, you're taking so much off your fighting game, bro. The day that I didn't care, 
what my physique looked like in that ring. Fucking hell, bruv. I was a 60% better fighter. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, like, like that, now when someone faces me in that ring, so all my insecurities and all my egos, mate, they got dropped out of the door 10 years ago. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean, guys? Like, you ain't going to make me feel out of my comfort zone there. That is my comfort zone, bro. You know? Do you, do you almost feel it, like... It, do you feel like a moment of calmness when you're in the ring? 100%. That's all it is for me, Joe. It's like the, the, the hard work's been done in the training camp and this is your time to shine. That's it, mate. It's just the, it's to collect my prize, bro. And that ain't, it's, that's where people get all twisted. When I say I'm collecting my prize, I don't mean I'm collecting my win. My prize is going in there and fucking putting my life on that line. That is it. And knowing that I'm coming out of there and the other, like, no, I've got that inside me. I've got that power. I've got that drive. No. Like, yeah, that's what I look for, Joe. I ain't a joke. Do you ever doubt yourself? I don't. I doubt myself. My doubt about myself, my logic, it, like, like I, I hate, it cringes me out, Jay, because, like, it, it's not what you should think of yourself. And, and I, I, I believe that if I was the next, uh, next man and he said it, I was thinking, fuck me, you up yourself a bit, bro. But, but I don't doubt myself, Jay. Like, I don't doubt myself, right? This is going to get confusing here, right? So, South I'm standing next to a fellow in the street. No, sorry. Forget that. South I'm facing world's best BKB fighter, right? I look at him and I think, I'm sure I'm not good enough to beat him. Right? So, yes. There you go. I'm doubting myself. But then this is what I say on the flip side. There's not one ounce of me that's not going to try past the point of my best to be at my best to face him. Well, I don't fear him, Joe. Mm. Does that make sense, mate? Yeah, and that's obviously your, your motivation in your training camp is to, you know, as you said previously, to be the best you can be. Every day, mate. Every day, you know. And that's the, yeah. the old age saying of um, the hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard, right? That's right, mate. That's exactly right. So, you, you've been on a journey, obviously, coming from a pro boxer. Um, for you, what's the biggest difference, mate? Obviously, you know, boxing, you've got padded gloves on. Bare knuckle boxing, you, you're just wrapped, right? Yeah. It's just, it's just it's the cut, folks. You actually don't cover your knuckles. If you look at the photos or the posters, the wraps only... They wrap and take your wrist to stop your hands and your wrist like breaking off your fucking wrist. But your knuckles are actually uncovered. Um, but yeah, the difference, Jay, is the, uh, like the, the, the sort of wounds you take. Uh, there is, 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 what, what I call it, the perfect word for it is BKB is unforgiving. A jab will knock you out. A jab will cut you open. Or a jab will snap your fingers or snap your hand off your wrist. You get even both, like what I'm saying there is both sides of the coin, Joe. You get what I'm saying? You're not really on a winning side, whether you win or not. 
Look at my last fight. I knocked the fellow out in the first round. Yet he caught me like he swung an elbow round when he was swinging his arms, fucking round like mad. Cut me into the places on my eye and give me like a fucking tennis ball that side of my head. Mm. I wasn't even a punch. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's such a humbling feeling um, having a stiff jab to your face. You know, if, if you need perspective, you know, taking a dig in the face is one of the um, one of the quickest ways to reevaluate yourself. But I can just imagine, like, hundred percent, mate. The, the, the pure venom that are thrown with with no protection, you know, in a in a is it how many of those fights sort of end within within one or two rounds? Oh yeah, what eighty percent, Joe? You know, eighty five percent, and you know, like like the next time I'm fighting, I'm fighting another five rounds, right, for the British title, and he. He does go around. So the people that fight like that, they don't fight like me, Joe. I don't think you could fight like me and the fight's going to last five rounds whether you win or lose. Yeah. Um, but we're saying, you know, I know that I can fight like that for five rounds. But what I can't do is with my skull on skin, it's going to fucking take that for five rounds. Mm. Yes, yeah, so I suppose tactically, that, that's, that's where you weigh up. You know, if you're gonna empty the tank and try and do the job in one or two, or you know, does it come back and become a bit of a chess chessboard game, and you you feel each other out for one or two rounds before sort of. See, that's what people don't understand. I'm I'm at a calmest state, mate, in my mind. But mm. he's calm, right? So, yeah. So we roll, bro. That's Harry Rose. So, is this, have you got a date for this? <laughs> right. Well, we had four taken away from us last year because of this virus, Joe. So, all that we know is contracted that as soon as the arenas open up, even if it's only for 500 spectators, with the first bang show. And if they do, it's going to lockdown shows. Like, that's all we're told we're allowed to do, like, no crowds and all that. Chris has got to put the belt up. You know, he's had two or three chances last year. He said he had to fight in front of the crowds, the sponsors and whatever, which is fair enough, that's business, blah, 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 blah. But now it's time. Yeah, I won't be sitting back and saying to BK, but yeah, I understand. Now I'll be saying like, nah, you know, you've got, to, you, you, you've got to meet me halfway, you know what I mean? If Chris don't want to fight behind the closed doors, that's his fault, you know what I mean? Do something. Yeah. So 2021, then, would it be fair to say that that's your, that's your main right. professional goal is to get that belt wrapped around you? I've got more goals than that in 2021, Joe. That's the first goal that I'll be successful in 21, mate. I'm taking it and I'm taking titles. Good, man. I look I look forward to that day, mate, seeing that wrapped around you, your belt because... Um, you, uh, you you put in a lot of effort into it, and I, I hope you get your just rewards, mate. Are you still keeping your... Oh, but I really appreciate that, Are you still keeping your eye on the boxing game? Uh, yeah, I've, I've, got, obviously I've got a good few pals now that I've picked up over the years in boxing that are really getting places in British boxing, so it's lovely to watch their... You know, careers blossom, sort of thing, mate. And there's a big fight that I've been my mate, but 
I don't really, I don't give much time to it, Jay, because I don't have much like spare time on my hands, bruv. Do you know what I mean? If it ain't to do with my fighting um, or my training, then it's to do with work or my family, mate. You know what I mean? So, yeah, no, nah, I totally get that, mate. I totally get that. So, you set up now. Um, what, what do you do in sort of regards of recovery? Do you have any sort of set protocols? I'll take uh, what as in like as in what do I take for my recovery day or what you know what do I use sort of thing. Well, some some people will use saunas. Some people will do like an active restoration piece, like a low uh, intensity cardio thing. Some people go and get massage work. Some people go in cryotherapy chambers. Uh, is there anything specific? Yeah, I want to try that cryo. I want to try that therapy chambers. I want to try that. Um, and I've spoke to you about the chambers. I, want to, I do want to get into that. But yeah, I use bath salt. I use, I, I heavily use probably a bath in maybe a key bath salts a day, every day. Um, I have three sports massages a week. Uh, I use CBD oil, balm, um, like every day. Uh, I, I take C. CMOS gel, um, which I think is quite beneficial for recovery and anything like that, sort of thing, well-being and health. Um, obviously, I mean, like, on this day, you obviously you know about uh, what, you know, cannabis is for my recovery. Um, I don't, you know, that's always been part of, of sort of my, 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 my whole world comes to my recovery, if you get what I'm saying. That's where I think the CBD comes into it a lot as well. Um, yeah, and that's probably it. No magical potions. <laughs> and um, sleep? Can we touch on sleep? Because <laughs> we've had a comp. Uh, honestly, I see, yeah, I see I mean, you're up early. I, um, and I see you still grinding away late at night. So you, you you're hanging in there. Yeah, I mean, sleep sank. Yeah, no, it's. I do feel that. I do feel Jay that maybe one day the body might just say like, "Fuck you," I've had enough sort of thing. But mm. I do only work on roughly um, when I'm in full work. I probably do only work on maybe four and a half to five and a half hours sleep a night, Jay. Definitely not enough. Um, but I mean, I, I, I don't like to say it because I don't, you know, I, I do. I know how important sleep is. But I mean, my little saying is, you sleep when you're dead. And I've only got the same 24 hours as everyone else. But guess what? I want more out of my 24 hours. Mm. So guess what? So you've got to go. Yeah. <laughs> Sleep's one of them, you know. But yeah. because I, say, you know, I know, I know better. Which is, you know, I do know better. You know what I mean? Cool. Um, so this this title date is set in twenty twenty one. What what are you going to be doing differently to your opponent that's going to make you get that hand lofted on that night? Nothing, I'm I'm facing him or whatever with a. We trained for months for Chris last year. Uh, sorry, not like it will be last year when we get into the fight. But obviously, before the first lockdown, Jay, we thought that that fight was coming off. So we trained for him. 
and we're ready for him, mate. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's see as much. This is what when people say, "Yeah, I'm prepared for Paul because I worked out he does it, he does it." You ain't never fought me before, so you can't prepare for me. I don't even know what I'm going to throw, Joe. Um, so good luck with them if they think they can work me out. You know what I mean? Um, but it's the same as Chris. I've never fought Chris before. So he's going to throw different things on the night. Uh, uh, look, look, I'm not going to go in there thinking, oh, he's going to do this, he's going to do that. You know, I'm going in there thinking, oh, I'm going to iron him out. And so it doesn't matter what he thinks he's bringing. You know? Whatever he thinks he's going to be bringing to me, I'm going to be smashing him in the face when he's trying to get his work off. So I ain't going to go that way. <laughs> I always remember reading um, Lenny McLean's book and he, um, he just got on a flight back from New York to London. And he just knocked out one of the uh, yeah. mafia's sort of main henchmen in a bare knuckle fight. And um, he, he said he got the air hostesses to bring him two buckets of ice to put his hands in because he was convinced that he'd broken both wrists or like his hand. And um, I can just almost sort of sit, see see you there pitched up with a, with your hands in your ice bucket with your belt around <laughs> your waist just with this big smile on your face like, you know, the, the job is done. Yeah, definitely, man. That, yeah, that is a, definitely a visualisation that I'm going to use, Charlie. Definitely, man. And and on that point, mate, because that's where I was going with that, um, visualisation, you've talked about it in the past. Um, mm. You know, how, how important is that for you or how do you use that in your process? Yeah, it's massive. Yeah, I, 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 when I got cut open with Jack, um, there's a few... There's a few visuals and a bit of footage. I mean, I don't know why, but there's no footage of that anywhere on the internet or YouTube or anything. And I don't even know if it's because it is so graphic that it just got to ban and ban from the sites. I do not know. And, and, and I've tried tracking it down. I've got a little clip of when I was really cut open and I sort of pleaded with him. It's only about a seven-second clip. I don't know where I got it from. Um, but I can't find no footage of it. But there was a few images that photographers took that night. Um, and it is really bad, Jay, like, even though like, it doesn't really phase me, but I can see how it would phase some. One of the the, uh, the visuals is basically, I'm looking at the doctor, and he's looking, he's got one tissue just above my cut, the real bad cut, and then he's looking at a little cut on my left side. Um, but the, you can see the cut above my is to my skull. Um, and there's, there's not a, like a millimetre of my face that ain't got blood in it and there's all like clots in my beard and down my shoulders and things and uh, that vision there Jay was what I had when I was coming up to my fight with Mitch Turner I couldn't get the vision out of me being busted over like that and it was like I was looking on the floor in the fight and there was so much blood on the floor Jay and I was thinking surely that just can't be from me when I was looking at my opponent, he didn't have a scratch on him. Like he, he, he was covered, his face was covered in blood. He had all blood down his chest on the front of his shorts, and he didn't have one cut on him. And, and like these, these like flashbacks that I had for that fight, I spoke to my mindset, which is mindset matters. Les, uh, Les, Les Crumble Hill, um, and I, I spoke to like he, he's my mindset. Co- I'd sort of say coach, he's a friend, but he is a mindset coach. Um, so you know, I was speaking to him actually, taking little bits of coaching off of him, um, and we had some real sort of conversations about this cut. And obviously, 
in that game, Jay, I was thinking that as soon as someone even sneezes on that cut, he's going to be cut open. That's the fly over. Because the referee stopped it so quick, but it was so, such a vicious cut. It was the, the fight was taken away from me. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I had real bad sort of worry, and the, like, I was kept on replaying that, that, like the ref calling it off in the head. So we worked on a technique that we've got, and I'm not going to go into it because it's probably his own personal technique, technique he uses, if you get what I mean. Um, and we, we worked on this technique for a couple of weeks, um, and, and we sort of we broke it down over the course of time. Um, and then maybe that's when I took the sort, of, the sort of mental switch that I didn't really know that, like, I visualised me finishing these fights, Joe, like destroying the opponent. Like, they ain't, they ain't land land on me. Do you know what I mean? It's all good and well, me knocking them out and all this. But I, I ain't there to have no battles of where I come on disfigured to my kids or cut up to my kids. Do you know what I mean? I want to get in there and take that for that, switch him off and go home safe and sound. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and that's when that visualisation come in after the jack fight of every fight of just me being too much for people to handle. Like, like you, you can't handle what I'm being. Yeah, you ain't ready for my smoke. That's saying that we joke about it all the time, Joe. I fucking mean that, bro. No, they ain't really. They ain't really for what I'm bringing. And I visualise that, Joe. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. I visualise me overwhelming them. You know, them questioning their self because I won't be questioning myself. You know, and that's what I visualise. I visualise that breakdown of their mental strength not being as much as mine. You know, their physical... As soon as their mental strength drops, their physical strength drops. And guess what? Mine gains. My mental strength gains. My physical strength gains. You know, my, my sort of will to kill gets heightened and their will to survive gets heightened. You know? I, I put something up the other day. It was saying, like, the weak do what they can and the strong do what they must or something like that. Mm. I just thought, wow, you know, that, that does pretty much hit it on the edge. you know what I mean? It's that survival instinct, I think, isn't it? Like, if you're, if you're, if you're prepared to die in battle... I don't know whether it's survival, Jay, or... I don't even know if it's survival or dominance, mm. yeah, because there is a big difference. I think when you fight for survival, you're actually more dangerous than when you fight for dominance. But I think when you fight for dominance, you're more sure of yourself. You're more... You, you, you're, you're, you're a believer of your actions. Well, when you fight for survival, you, you're fighting on instinct. So you're sort of letting your instincts take over. Do you get what I mean by that, bro? Yeah, no, that's a really, a really good point, actually. Um, yeah, and, and if I'm getting the right end of the stick here, you're basically saying that you don't go in that ring to, to fight back off what your opponent's throwing at you. You're going in that nah, ring. man. Right. And take that's over. Right. Give them a second it's... to breathe, look. Get their shots, right. smother them, and until the job's done. So it's my fight, mate. It's my night. It's my win. I'm going home to my family, and my family are going to be telling me, "Well done, Daddy. You're a champion." He ain't taking that away from me, bro. That's a good mindset, mate. It's a really, really strong mindset, and it's refreshing to hear. Really refreshing to hear. You can take that into life, Jay. That ain't about fights. You can wake up every day you life and have that mindset. You know, going into work. You know, work ain't beating you today. You're coming out. You know, you, you'll be the man today. You're going you're gonna to reach your goals. You know what I mean? Well, this is mm. one of the reasons for the podcast is that um, I'm sick and tired of the victim mentality. And yeah, that's this, right. This ain't fair or this is shit or 
it's you know life is way too easy if you want it to be um you can you can order a fucking uber to your front door now with a with a kfc in it or whatever it might be and you whinge about getting up from the sofa walk to the door because you've got to put that effort in to me to me like a comfortable life is a slow death like you ain't living nothing grows in a comfort zone joe exactly that exactly that mate um i wanted to talk to you about breath work because it's something i've been playing around with um been following like the wim hof uh method and, and some other different sort of prana breathing and, and yoga sort of stuff but i know you do mm. your your own type of sort of breath work Can you talk us through that yeah man i mean i'm more do it for like i mean really like i said before um, that it was done because of my, my my smoking years jay when you know i used to smoke sort of 25 30 a day on the doors and that and i'm like a night on the doors um, and lead a really unhealthy lifestyle walking around at near on 20 stone. And I believe that obviously when I found my fitness and things like that, I used to want to try and open my lungs up every chance I got. Um, and then it went a little bit deeper and I was sort of used to time it a bit more and sort of feel it a bit more as in lock my mind into my lungs actually moving and getting bigger and smaller. Then I started yoga. <laughs> And then learnt a few breathing techniques and about negative energy and positive energy and things like that. And mm-hmm. I sort of come up with my own sort of system that after every single training session or run I do, you know, I've, I've got my free free sort of breaths that I take. Um, yeah, to flush myself through and yeah, like I say, get that negativity out. And if you're pent up inside, anxiety is that horrible feeling where you can't move your lungs and you can't sort of get a deep breath, Joe. You feel like someone's, you know, half squeezing your chest, you know what I mean, when you're breathing. Mm. So sometimes when you drop all that out, you know, I say to the people I try, I say, like, you get that shit out, get that shitty feeling out of your belly and blast it out of yourself, sort of things. I say, imagine your lungs like as a plastic bag, screw them up so they're under the size of your fist sort of thing, get everything out of them and then, you know, draw back in fresh, clean thoughts, you know, oxygen to, like, flush your brain out sort of thing. And Yeah, I don't know. It sounds well deep, Jay, but I've seen people, like, I've seen people take the piss out of it, literally when they're doing it, and then all of a sudden pick the technique up and then a couple of weeks later, like, like with not even training with me, I've seen them putting it on the end of their workouts and things like that. So I ain't that fucking shit, is it? You know what I mean? It's, I've, I've had some really weird, deep experiences with, you know, it's laughable. If you would have said this to me 10 years ago, you'd be talking about breathing. I would have laughed me cold. <laughs> Jay, me and you both, if I would have said to myself 10 years ago, you're going to be a bare knuckle that does yoga and has got a breathing technique, I would have poked myself in the eye, mate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I read a book this year called Breath by a guy called mm. Jack Nestor, an American author. And uh, I just was just so gobsmacked about this book. And it just, yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, like the whole, it's talking about, you know, Tibet monks going back thousands of years. Had, had, yeah, they've got some mad techniques, but I've breathing. Have you heard of the Tuma monks? No. Nah. So they will, they, they train to certain levels of discipline of, of breathing. And, and, you know, as the monks, they rise through the sort of uh, hierarchy. Once you get to become this master monk, 
what they do is they take you up to the mountain. So we're talking like, you know, thousands of meters above sea level. It's, it's cold up there. Yeah. But they will sit in caves and they will put soaking wet towels on their back. And what they do is they do this sort of fire breathing where they generate heat just purely through their breath into their body. And the steam off the towels come off their back and they dry the towels out. And they sit there through the middle of the night, the coldest part of the, of the day, and they will dry these soaking wet towels in freezing cold temperatures with just their breath. Are you serious? Yeah, man. It's, um, that is deep. It is. It is. And that's, that's the power of the breath. Like to, to someone who's never tried it, never experienced it, or has you know, not got the brain capacity to sort of even think. You know, my strength of the distance, man, like I say, Alex, trying with intent. He's got me doing these certain exercises where we're only allowed to use nose breathing, Jay. And he did go into like some form of what it does to the muscles, but but it like it was it was out there, mate. Do you know what I mean? But he swears by it. He swears by it, and he doesn't do nothing that doesn't benefit. If you get what I mean. He ain't interested by no sort of like great, you know, great new trends. He only does stuff that works. Do you know what I mean? We we was never designed to breathe out of our mouths. So yeah, no, no. This is what he was. This is exactly what he was saying. Exactly what he was saying. Yeah, there's a great book on that um, called The Oxygen Advantage by an Irish guy called Patrick. I'm going to butcher his second name, but I think it's Patrick McGowan. Um, but like when you're when you're deep down in the trenches in the middle of a workout or you know, in the in the last few rounds of sparring, and you just had the wind knocked out of you. To to stay composed and and to breathe through your nose rather than your mouth for all the chemical reactions that are going on while you're breathing, it's so much better for your body to take that breath in through your nose and out through your nose. Yeah, and I've heard this. Yeah, I have. I've heard that. Yeah. It, like. <laughs> you've got me on my sort of yearly subject, to be honest with you, because there's a, there's even like the theory behind the perfect breath is just under six seconds in, six seconds out, but your tongue is sort of pointing up to the roof of your mouth. And this this allegedly was how we evolved to breathe, and we've just switched that mechanism off because we just take these short, shallow breaths all the time. Yeah. If you know, say if we're on a phone or on a laptop or whatever it is where we're 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 concentrating, but it's almost like we've switched our body off on how to breathe correctly. That's right. It's just laziness. Absolutely. Comfort zone, Joe. It is, bro. It, 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 it's what it all comes down to. Like we say, nothing grows in the comfort zone. Mm. Yeah. So before I let you go, Paul, and I appreciate we've been, we've been chatting for a while now, and, and I do appreciate you taking this time out from your family. We've got... Um, We've got some chasing discomfort questions that we ask all our guests, and we're just going to whittle through it. So it's like a quick fire um, yep. sort of question. So, have you got a favourite quote? Uh, have I got a favourite quote? Um, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. Work harder. <laughs> That's it. Work hard. Exactly that day, and I sat to people like they give me their minds and all that, and I say, "Yeah, no one cares. Work harder." <laughs> What's the non-negotiable rule that you live by? <laughs> oh, that's a powerful question, Jay. Um, six days a week, one day off, mate. Training. Yeah. Six on one off. 
uh, your number one life hack? Consistency. Nice. Go to quick meal. Uh, chicken balls at the local shop. Uh, 67% meat, which I'm quite impressed with. And then 99p. <laughs> yeah, bro. That tomato sauce and salad cream, so that's seafood sauce, and that's my quick meal, bro. <laughs> yeah. Are they real chicken testicles? 67%, mate. I looked on I looked on Bernard Matthews or say, and he was only like 42%, so that must be all right, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what do you do to relax? Uh, what do you do if, if you do ever start sort of feeling down or you're struggling with something? I'll go back to my one favourite thing, consistency. Yeah, get back in your lane. No, it's just, you just don't, you just get on with it, Joe. You know what I mean? The worst day in the world, you know, it's something to really, really know about if you don't just go through it. You know, it's the days that you don't go through it, no matter whether you, you, you're buzzing when you do it or you feel like the world's around, it's the days you don't do it, it's the days that you're slipping. You know what I mean? You, you, you must have days where you feel like, oh, fucking, I can't be asked to strap these trainers on again and go for that run or... Got to do another session today, and I feel a bit fucked. You know what? What, what switch goes off that chooses you to say, "No, fuck that!" Like I'm, I'm putting them trainers on, or I'm getting in that ring, or I'm lifting them weights up. It, it goes down to it goes down to like this. for that initial ten second thing. I think of my opponent, what I'm not doing, and what I'm trying to bitch out of my opponent's doing. So that gives him a better chance of beating me. But then that goes down to my whole bigger journey of why I'm fighting, Joe. Yeah. And then all that does is remind me of what my wife's, mate, and then laces get laced up when I'm out the fucking door, mate. He's back in the game. That's right. What's your favourite film? Uh, favourite film? It's got to be a Bronx Tale. Yeah. Nice. Mm. Favourite place in the UK? At home with my family, bro. Solid answer. What about your favourite international destination? That I've been to. You, or, or one you'd want to go to? Uh, again, it just goes down to what I've experienced with my family. And we go to, or we work down to a little place quite regularly when my kids were right little in Greece. So that's the favourite place because of the memories I've got there, John. Yeah, nice. Uh, favourite exercise movement? That's got to be sparring. <laughs> he loves it. <laughs> that is an exercise movement as such, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, of it is, yeah. What about the worst? The what? What's that again, mate? Your worst exercise movement. What's the one that you think, oh, not this fucking thing again? Yes, yeah, road work, isn't it, mate? Yeah. What, just yeah. the monotony of it? it? Yeah, it's just... Uh, it, it, it's just crap, Joe, isn't it? Like, like, I used to run with uh, earphones. I don't now. I'll just go out of silent runs 95% of the time. Um, that's where you find yourself, mate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Paving them pavements. Um, yeah, it is. It is funny. Yeah, it is. I'm going to ask you this anyway, but I'm pretty sure I know the answer. Favourite sport? Favourite sport? I mean, I'd say boxing as a whole because BKB is not really classed as a sport, but then obviously BKB because I do it myself. But 
if there's sport, so if there's 15 sports on telly, obviously, if it's not VKB, it's going to be the boxing, mate. Yeah. Who, who do you think would win out of Fury and AJ, if that ever happened? Uh, Fury, mate, all day long. Just because of his boxing style? Just being the better boxer? He's just a fighting man, mate. Mm. It's just a fight, man. AJ's not AJ's. A pro- Listen, I've got time for AJ. We'll see. <laughs> I, I joined Matchroom when he'd had two fights, so I know him. Do you know what I mean? Like he's a night. Like I can't say a bad word about him. He's always been genuinely fucking really nice. Yeah. So I ain't into all that. Whatever everyone wants to say about him, I think he's a really good fella. But mm. I just don't think he's got in him what Fury has, mate. Yeah. Um, I ain't saying um, he, you know. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with you. Um, mm. Right, what have we got? Favorite artist? Um, at the minute, mate, it's Clue. Yeah, I've seen you bumping his stuff. How did you yeah. get on? Yeah, well, I mean, I've always listened to his stuff, and then obviously he went away for a few years. Mm. Um, he come out and released a couple of freestyles that come on when I was listening to Tiny Boost. Um, he showed me some love on the Insta and I really appreciated it and um, I sort of got talking to him like just a little bit of chat nothing really big or whatever and then Clue come out Tiny tagged him up in a thing um, with gigs or something all that circle Joe all them same sort of dudes and then I listened to Clue's thing and course cool, so I remember years ago when I really did listen to him hard bruv because he is hard and then started listening to him again. Then he started sharing my stuff on his story regularly. And I just thought, you know what, I've got time for that. And then he sent me a couple of like little warning signs when like when he's tunes, like when I'd use them in my sparring or whatever. But like, I sent a couple of little warning signs and that. And then we had a we had a little conversation about um he was hoping to do a freestyle for my ring entrance on the British title fight. Obviously when that got pulled, he had some mad stuff going on. So he said, look, I can't dedicate to it, um, but I'm definitely up for doing it for you. And then we've just stayed in contact like that, Joe. Like, only little messages. I ain't like it like with pals or nothing, but it's just nice to get that appreciation off of someone. You know, people in the music industry, they grind hard, Joe. They put a lot of work in um, that people don't see. And they, they really do appreciate the journey that the likes of we do as fighters. They really do. And half of them like the boxing side of it as well, you know? Yeah. So um, yeah, that's uh, he, he's my favourite artist at the minute, mate. Either him or Tiny Bruce. Yeah. Cool. And what's your mantra when the going gets tough? Uh, what do you mean? Like, what, what do I? What, what gets me through? Yeah. What like you know? Was there something that you you constantly repeat in your head? Um, you know, for me, I, and, and I tell it to my kids. You know, no matter what's going on, you never give up. That's it. That's yeah. free. Never give up. Just don't fucking quit. Yeah, I suppose it's that. I mean, my my kids say that to me. They say, they say Daddy, that's because you teach us not to quit. And I don't even realise I've grinded that into them. But it's that thing of Jay, like, and uh, it sounds such a cliche, but everything's possible, mate. It, 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 everything's possible achieving. You might not be to the level of what the next man can achieve or the next lady can achieve. But you can achieve that at what you can do to the best of your level. Everything's achievable. Mm. Yeah. And what a great ending, mate, to, to end on that. I, I really uh, do appreciate your time, mate. And uh, Thank you, Joe. 
yeah, super grateful for you come on and I wish you all the best, mate. I know you're going to put every ounce of last effort that you've got into um, into your next endeavours and next fight. And like I say, I really want to see that belt wrapped around your waist, mate. So keep doing your thing. Listen, well, there's no you want to. You'll be seeing that belt around, <laughs> man. You're talking to the next BKB lightweight champion, British champion, bruv. Trust me. Yes, that's the attitude we want. That's the attitude. Um, where can people find more about you, Paul? <laughs> you can follow me on at Team Already on Instagram. Um, that's where everything's run for. I'm the he- uh, lead coach at Box to Burn in Chelmsford. We're a boxing gym down there. <coughs> All levels welcome down there. Kids as well. You know, everything we run, everything there. You've only got to check the Instagram out, which is Box to Burn, uh, or my Instagram, uh, Team Already, Joe. That's where you can catch me. Cool. Top man. All right, Paul. Jay, yeah, can, can I just shout out my sponsors, please, mate? Because they obviously support me massively. Um, and obviously, there's a few of them, like I say, that do help out with the training-wise of things, Jay. So I'd like to shout out them, please. Yeah, um, I've got Total Waste Management, which is my main sponsor now. Uh, Recycle Company, if anyone needs anything with scrap metal or anything, any forms of anything, any material-wise, um, recycle-wise, Contact them for Total Waste Management. Smoke and Bubbles 420 on Instagram um, for my CBD and my recovery needs. Uh, we've got Training with Intent, which is the strength and conditioning um, department at Box to Burn. Um, I've also got CMOS Co., which supplies my CMOS gel. Um, I like to big them up. Box Fit UK, which supplies up all my kits. Uh, biggest boxing sort of uh, shop around the south and London. Um, you should know them if you know anything about boxing. Um, yeah, and Box to Burn, obviously, my team that uh, we we, uh, we fight out of and we try and others out of, Joe. Thank you. Legend. Top man. Nice one, Joe. Thank you.